Good morning. It is good to be with you live uh, on this Sunday, July 19th. Uh, this is very different for me. Uh, the last four months, uh, usually 99% of the time, I'm the only one here uh, when it comes time to film the sermon. I show up, I set the camera up, I get the angle, I do the audio, and I'm going back and forth probably five to ten times, and then I push record, come up here, and preach the sermon, and then hopefully at the end I replay it, and hopefully it all worked. Actually, honestly, a couple times I did it, and uh, actually one time, to be completely honest, I went through the entire sermon, went back there and checked the record, and I forgot to plug in the mic. So here we go. Had to do the redo right away. So, so this, is, this is very different to know that, that you're live, and there's a few of us here on the production team, uh, even having... One, two, three people in front of me uh, is, is pretty, pretty different after four months of being here, uh, hearing myself uh, preach. Uh, we're excited. Uh, we did figure out, just so you know, we did figure out what was going on uh, with the live stream. We appreciate your patience. Uh, hours and hours were, were invested this week. And, you know, I'm sure you've had this happen in your life. You try and you try to dot every I, cross every T, uh, run the rehearsals over and over, and for whatever reason, we don't know why, because it didn't happen yesterday, didn't happen the day before, didn't even happen this morning. For whatever reason, uh, when uh, our software that we use to put the lyrics up uh, was trying to keep up with uh, what was happening on stage, it was the slides that were creating the glitch and the hiccups. So uh, uh, good news is we figured it out. Bad news is there's no slides, <laughs> and I know you enjoy the slides, you enjoy the scriptures and the quotes and everything, and uh, we'll maybe figure out a way to get it up uh, for you later in the week. Uh, on the flip side, go grab your Bibles. <laughs> you know, I know that one of the, one of the uh, knocks with putting scriptures up in churches is that no one brings their Bibles anymore. And in fact, you bring your Bible and you never open it because everyone likes the big screens at the big font. Uh, but this morning, by golly, you got to get your Bibles up and, uh, you know, uh, dust them off. And uh, together we're going to go, I guess you would call this a little bit of old school, and, uh, you know, the good news is it's still God's word. Amen? Yeah. And God's still going to move through the preaching of his word. Uh, I really believe that. So thank you for your patience. Uh, it's a live stream. Uh, I'm enthused. You know, with all the challenges that have come with this, there is something profoundly different in us being live. And you want to know why? Because God made us relational beings. We are made to connect. We are made to interact uh, what did he say? It is not good that man should be alone. And I think that's just a general principle. It's not good for us to be alone. And for four months, we worked very hard on pre-recorded videos. And you got to see Randy's tools and Bill's tractor and Mark's Lego collection. And, you know, you, you enjoyed that. Tyler's flag. You know, everything that you got to see a glimpse into some home life. And, and that's all well and good. And we enjoyed doing that. Uh, but knowing that we're live, there's just something about that. And, and so uh, we're going to ask you to bear with us as we move forward. And we're going to actually ask you, too, to encourage others to join us live. Okay? I know that, uh, in a sense, uh, you, in the last four months, maybe you got into a bit of a routine of coffee and lounging and kind of turning on the video whenever. Uh, I know some of you. Uh, you know, Dale, I know you guys have been faithful at 10 o'clock to watch that video, so you've still been going to church at 10, uh, but there's a sense, and, I, and we feel it here, we feel it here that the church is gathering, and that's important, and that matters, and there's a discipline to that, and there's a communal aspect to that, there's a belonging to that, and you know, I asked Isaac before we came up, you know, how many views, and I know that there's a number of you uh, watching live, and if you can't, I know you're uh, hopefully, some way we'll get this recording out later today. Uh, but this is a new season for us. We were supposed to. We thought we were going to be here, uh, a number of us, up to 50 of us, gathering here this morning. And that didn't happen. And in that, you know, I said, Lord, you know, um, what are we going to do? And uh, there was a sense this week where I really felt... Uh, 
challenged. I, I even felt renewed. I felt a, a greater sense, a new sense of uh, enthusiasm for this season. You know, it's been four months. I think it was, Randy, what, March 15th, right? 18 weeks. And, and that's a long haul. That's a long time. And uh, it, can, it can wear on you. It can wear on us even as a church family. And this morning, as we start the live stream and as we sort of turn a page uh, here on July 19th, I wanted to uh, take a break for a week from our study through Ephesians, and I wanted to focus on Psalm 13, okay, Psalm 13. And uh, we're going to get there in just a second, but Psalm 13, why should we focus on it? Why is it important? Uh, well, in the first two verses of Psalm 13, uh, the psalmist writes, right, David asks a question, same question four times, how long? How long? And I'm guessing a high percentage of you in the last four months have probably said that same thing, how long? Or you thought, or you've struggled with, how long is this going to go on? How long do we have to wear masks? How long, you know, until we're able to gather, right? This how long. And my prayer for us this morning is that by the end of our time together, we go from how long to how blessed. Because that's what happens in Psalm 13. There is a transition that happens from David asking four times in two verses, how long, to the end he's going, how blessed. How blessed, because God is good. God has dealt bountifully with me. And so that's my prayer for us, for you, for us as a church family in, in mid-July. You know what? Let's take a deep breath. Let's take a deep breath. Uh, we've, we've been working through it together faithfully, diligently. Maybe some of you feel like it's been a marathon. Uh, but I really feel that God wants to uh, reignite us. He wants to renew our spirits. He wants to refresh us as a church and individually. Uh, psalm 13 is what they call a psalm of lament. Okay, that word lament, uh, not, not maybe a popular word or familiar word, but lament, L-A-M-E-N-T, it means uh, to feel or express sorrow or grief. Okay, to express sadness or a feeling sorry about something. That's to lament. In fact, the book of Lamentations. Okay, the book of Lamentations. Jeremiah is expressing his grief about the destruction of Jerusalem. Okay, in the book of Habakkuk, it's really interesting. Habakkuk laments. Okay, you don't have to turn there. I'm just going to read it. Habakkuk 1, verses 2 and 4, 2 through 4. Listen to this lament as it even relates to today's. Listen to what he's lamenting and, and the connection to what you see around you today in our country, right? From the New Living Translation. It says, how long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. Violence is everywhere. I cry, but you do not come to save. Must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all this misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I am surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. The law has become paralyzed. And there is no justice in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous, so that justice has become perverted. What a powerful lament. This was Habakkuk speaking about expressing his grief and sorrow for the culture at that time. And I read that, and I'm like, wow, what a lament for us in 2020, right? And, and then the example of Jesus. Jesus himself laments. He laments over Jerusalem. In Luke 13, 34 and 35, Jesus says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers, how often I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings, but you wouldn't let me. And now, look, your house is abandoned, and you will never see me again until you say, Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. So even Jesus laments, okay? Now, uh, the genre or the category of Psalms of Lament is actually the largest category in the book of Psalms. Uh, about one-third of the Psalms are actually Psalms of Lament, okay? There's two types of Psalms of Lament. There's community laments, if you want to call it. That's about 16 of the Psalms. And then there's individual Psalms of Lament, about 42 of them. 
okay? And, and why is it important that we understand that there are psalms of lament? Well, in that, honestly, when you read these psalms, you recognize that the Bible is filled with real people giving real expression to intense life struggles, to despair and anguish and fear and confusion, right? The Bible is filled with real-life people dealing with real-life struggles, okay? So in a sense, the Psalms of Lament, if you read them, it gives you, it gives me, it gives us here permission to be human, right? To have feelings. And why is that important? Because it's interesting, sometimes in our walk with the Lord and even in the church, there's different views about feelings, right? Some people uh, deny, want to push down, want to ignore feelings. Ah, just obey, you know? And, and, and they kind of cast all feelings aside, okay? Other people go the other way, and they're dominated by feelings, Right? This is what I feel because I feel this. I'm comfortable. And so they're dominated and they're ruled by their feelings. So it's interesting. In the church, you get some people who want nothing to do with feelings. And you got other people who are completely consumed with feelings. Right? And then somewhere in there, you get people who somewhere picked up this idea that Christianity is about happy feelings. Right? Christianity is about up, up, up all the time. And, and if you're not up, up, up all the time and happy in Jesus, there's something wrong with you. There's just something, you know, uh, is there sin? Are you, are you backsliding? Why aren't you happy? And that's where the Psalms of Lament really help us as humans to, to process real life feelings in a real relationship with a real God. It's a powerful, powerful exercise to learn, okay, to lament, okay? Now, you gotta, you gotta know, lamenting is not whining. Lamenting is not being, uh, you know, a crybaby, okay? Lamenting is not complaining, okay? That's not biblical lamenting. Right? Lamenting is not just venting either. There is a profound depth to biblical lamenting. Okay, here's, I want to read this quote to you, uh, and, it, and it really summarizes it really well. It says this, Lament is different than crying, because lament is a form of prayer. It is more than just the expression of sorrow or the venting of emotion. Lament talks to God about pain. And it has a unique purpose, trust. It is a divinely given invitation to pour out our fears, frustrations, and sorrows for the purpose of helping us to renew our confidence in God. The practice of lament is one of the most theologically informed actions a person can take. While crying is fundamental to humanity, Christians lament because they know God is sovereign and good. Christians know his promises in the scriptures. We believe in God's power to deliver. We know the tomb is empty and Jesus is alive. To cry is human, but to lament is Christian. Lament. How many of you have ever studied or been taught to lament as a Christian? Because most of us, I think, we carry into our walk with Jesus, however we were taught before we knew Jesus, to deal with pain. Oh, you know, big boys don't cry. Oh, not a big deal. Oh, you know, right? And yet, lament says, no, bring all the reality of your pain, all the reality of your anguish, all the reality of, of your despair and description, bring it to God, and it's okay. Because you bring it to God, not angrily and not you bring it to god in faith you bring it to god theologically rooted in the nature and character of who he is and who you are in christ it is 100 percent okay to bring the real life struggles you, you and i face to god and be real okay 
Now, the Psalms of Lament, there's three common elements, and we're going to uh, look at each of these elements. Uh, the first element in there is there's, there's a problem. Generally, a Psalm of Lament, there's some kind of problem, and this problem leads to despair, discouragement, or doubt, okay? Then there's a prayer where there's a desire for help, relief, deliverance, and then ultimately, there's a profession of faith where there's a decision to trust God, okay? So there's P's and D's in there. Again, this is one of those times where I'm like, oh, man, I wish we had a slide because I thought that was really cool. So problem, despair, prayer, desire for help, profession of faith, decision to trust. That's kind of the general framework of a biblical lament. So if you are going to lament, if you're going to come to God with your own psalm of lament, there's some elements, right? So Psalm 13, 1 through 6, I'm going to read the whole thing. It says this. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say, I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Okay, so there's, there's the three elements. Okay? So in verses 1 and 2, we'll repeat those again. It says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Okay, the context of this psalm, uh, many believe that David was being pursued by King Saul. And so David is out in the wilderness with some of his boys, and they're hiding. And here's the trouble with this. Here's, here's, here's the real deep challenge with that. They don't know how long they have to hide. So they're going about their daily business just trying to survive, all the while keeping a watch out for King Saul and his guys who are pursuing them. But this is an open-ended trial. Open-ended. And that's what makes it very difficult even for you and for me. Now, some of you know, many of you know that uh, uh, about three weeks ago, I came down with a case of shingles, right? And some of you are like, <laughs> I heard a comment, uh, what's wrong with his eye, right? You saw one of my videos. Well, about three weeks ago, I got uh, this shingles outbreak, got into my left eye, and this was all puffy at one point, looked like I had been in a boxing fight. This was all swollen and it went this way. And, you know, I'm working through it, still feel it today. But when it first happened... I, you know, you, you know, I'm one of those Googlers. So I went on there, and you try to get some research, and it says, well, you got to give it like three, three, or not three to five weeks, right? Weeks to months, but three to five weeks. So here's the thing. Even though I wasn't thrilled with weeks, the human part of me clung to weeks. And I can focus and work through it because the authorities say it's weeks, Okay. We can deal with trials and situations usually if we're given a time frame, even if it's a biggie, right? You ever have that conversation you know it's going to be a biggie, and you're like, but you know what's going to happen? It happens, you work through it, and it's over, right? So we can gear up for trials in our life when we know that there's a duration, okay? But what about when there is no timeline or the timeline passes, See, I'm good with weeks, but it's been three. Catch me in about three more, and if I still feel the same way, I might be going how long, right? That's the challenge in life, is when we deal with issues and challenges, and it just seems kind of open-ended. And I think that that, for many of us, is what we've been going through for four months, right? How long? How long till the schools open? How long till we can go eat indoor at a restaurant again? How long till we can gather here? And here's the challenging part for all of us. We don't know. What do you do with the we don't know? 
You know, and I know part of me when this all happened was, you know, I'm scouring the news and I'm looking for any tidbit. What am I looking for that gives me a duration? I, I'm, 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 if, you give me, if you give me a date, then I focus and, I, and then suddenly I can, uh, you know, kind of lay out all my resources, my time. I, I'm, I'm good with the date. But when there's no date, I can kind of slide into what? happened to David. And what happened to David? If you read this, uh, verses 1 and 2, he says, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? See, this has gone on so long. He's like, how long, how long, how long? He gets to this place of despair, discouragement, doubt, and suddenly his feelings and circumstances are now generating false beliefs. What does he believe? God's forgotten him. God's forsaken him. And now he's like, how long do I have to suffer sorrow all day? There's a lot of us at home maybe who all day we just have turned inward. And we're rehearsing over and over every day in our head how much we don't like this. And how we wish it was the way it was. And we're walking around daily kind of in sorrow. Right? So you have to be really careful that the, because there's no answer to how long, you don't slide into feelings and self and, and me-centeredness, and now you're inward turn, and that opens you up to false beliefs ultimately about God. And now you have false thoughts and your emotions, and you're, you're, you're just bummed. You're just bummed, right? And so I want to encourage you in that. If you have found yourself in a bit of a downward spiral. If you found yourself, even this morning, if you were to take stock and say, okay, wait, what am I thinking? What am I feeling? Where am I at? And you've turned inward like David, and you've forgotten that you feel like God has forgotten you. You feel like God is not listening to you. You feel like all day is just sorrowful and you're bummed. This is why we're preaching this this morning. Because the good news is, by the end of the psalm, David changes, and my prayer for you is that you will change. And it all begins with your focus, okay? And so, verses 3 and 4, we move from the problem to a prayer. Look what he says. Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say, I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice, because I am shaken. I love this prayer. He says, hey, Lord, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm... Here I am, I'm praying, I'm seeking you. And he says, light up my eyes. I love that because remember in Ephesians 1, 17 and 18, the apostle Paul prayed that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, right? I don't know about you, but sometimes in my life, when there's a how long trial and I've slid into doubt, despair, discouragement, you know what? I, my spiritual eyes just get foggy. It just gets foggy. And I don't have clarity anymore. And I just kind of am walking around like this, right? And I love the prayer when he says, light up my eyes. Because maybe some of you at home, maybe some of us this morning, that's the prayer. Father, bring back the spiritual clarity. Get, I've been in a fog. I've been in a haze. I've been in a stupor. I've just kind of been for four months, maybe, maybe you were good for a month, but maybe the last month you've kind of just felt like you're in a fog and you're just going through the motions and you don't want to watch the video anymore and you, know, you don't want to go to men's group or small group or, you know, and it's just, you're just in a fog. Ask God to light up your eyes. Ask God to give you a fresh vision of who you are in Christ and who he is, okay? And then, and then he says this, Right? Then we move from the prayer to the profession of faith. And I love this in Psalm 13:5. But, right, if you read the Psalms of Lament, you'll often come to this transition where it's like, but. And this is what he says. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. Here's the New Living Translation of verse 5. But I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. Okay, so here's the great thing about a song of lament. 
You, you, you bring it to God, you're real, you pour out how you're feeling in the midst of the problem, you pray, but you don't stop there. This is where a lot of believers stop. You're honest, and you bring it to prayer, and you just wait. And you kind of go into this holding pattern where you're just circling. Don't stop at one and two. You got to go to three, because three is a decision. Three is a choice. Three has nothing to do with what the government says you can and can't do. You are free at all times to decide to trust God. You can decide, but I have trusted in your steadfast love, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. Those are all decisions. It's just a decision. Right? Here's a great quote, right? Uh, Dr. John Phillips says this. When we are at our wit's end, without resources, at a loss for a way, perplexed and desperate, that is usually when we see God begin to work. But before he does anything about our situation, he wants to do something about ourselves. And that is where we begin to hedge. We want God to deal with our complication. He wants to develop our character. We want him to change our circumstances. He wants to change us first. That is why he allowed the circumstances. We cry, hurry up. He says, it's your move. I won't move until you do. That is what this little psalm is all about. You see, I've been there. Maybe you've been there. The focus of our prayer is that this goes away and that we can get back to normal and that our circumstances change versus God change me in and through this. What are you teaching me? Right? It all has to do with the focus, not just on our prayer, but a focus on sanctification through this. What is God wanting to teach you? What is God wanting to teach me in this? Okay? Jerry Bridges says this. Trust is not a passive state of mind. It is a vigorous act of the soul by which we choose to lay hold on the promises of God and cling to them despite the adversity that at times seeks to overwhelm us. I love that quote, right? Trust is not a passive state of mind. So a lot of times believers say, oh, I trust God. I'm just trusting God. And it's passive. It's passive. These circumstances that we're in for the last four months, it challenges the passivity. Because, see, there's a lot of people in the culture, believers and not believers, who because they've been told over and over what you can't do and all the restrictions that have been placed on you, you've gone into passive mode. You've waved a white flag. You surrendered. And you're just passively sitting there. But as believers, I got to tell you, enough is enough. Trust isn't just assenting to what you say you believe. Trust is active. You got to make a choice. You got to choose to believe what you say you believe. You cling to it. You hold on to it. Even in the midst of all the things that they say you can't do. Because as far as I'm still aware, in this country, you can still believe in Jesus. You can still read the Word of God. You can still believe the Word of God. So do that. Start there. And maybe it's been a fog. Maybe it's been a haze. Maybe you've lived in how long. That's fine. But today, enough. End it. Stop. Enough is enough. You got to just remember who you are, right? Psalm 13, 6. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. When was the last time? In four months. How has your singing gone? Has it kind of started to wane? Right when it all hit and we had huge viewership because everyone was scared and we weren't meeting together. Our numbers on the pre-recorded videos, it was skyrocketing. And over the four months, for whatever reason, less and less and less people have been watching. I wonder why. In the New Living, it says, I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. Okay, God has not changed in the last four months. He is as good as he was four months ago. We're the ones that tend to move. 
We're the ones that tend to change. And it's, it's time, I believe, for us individually and the church. The church and collectively, but the church at the well. We got to get back. You just got to choose to sing. You got to rejoice in who you are in Christ and who he is. Take your eyes off the circumstances. I don't know how long. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. Every day you wake up, you praise God for the breath you have. Every day when you wake up, you got 24 hours just like everyone else on this planet to redeem the time, to walk in the Spirit, to glorify God, to bear the fruit of the Spirit. And I got to tell you, church, if you will do that, the simplicity of walking in the Spirit, of staying focused, of singing and rejoicing, you want to stand out in the crowd, just do that. Because there's a world out there right now that is angry and scared and frustrated. And, you know, you read these articles. Now people are going at it just for not wearing masks. And, you know, there's a lot of stress out there and a lot of bent people. And what, how do we bring joy and salt and light? Just be who you are in Christ. And I got to tell you, people are be like, how are you doing? Because in Christ, circumstances don't touch us. They don't touch our identity. They don't touch our covenant relationship with God. And we're human, and I get it. And after a while, I love, that's why I love this psalm, right? David goes from how long, how long, how long, how long, in two verses, to the end, it's like, how blessed! How blessed! Now, some people look at this, and they read the psalm as like, Man, I must, I must be a second-rate Christian because he got his act together in six verses. It doesn't mean he did it in six seconds. Just because you read the verse in like 30 seconds, you're like, man, how did David do it so quick? It was a process. Okay, don't, don't like necessarily think that he went from how long to how blessed. Like <laughs> He had to work through it. He had to work through it, and the psalm is written in retrospect as he reflects on where he is in the process. Some people look like, man, six verses, he got his act together. <laughs> it's, no, it's not. David was out in a cave in the wilderness for a long time. And think about it. He had been told that he was going to be king. So he had this incredible promise, and at some point, he's probably in the cave you know, miserable, wondering how they're going to eat, hoping that one of King Saul's guys don't see him. And he's like, but I thought I was supposed to be king. What am I doing here? This is uncomfortable. When do I get to go be king, you know? And, and so he got caught up in the whole, when is this over? I thought about all these promises. He got caught up in living out there instead of just living in the moment. And when he comes back to living in the moment, he's free. When he comes back to living in the moment of who he is in Christ and how good God is and how bountifully God is dealing with him in present tense, he is free. He experiences great freedom. So uh, what are we going to do as a church? I just want to encourage us as we prepare for communion. There's a couple things. First thing, this is what we're not going to do, okay? Church, we are not going to do this. Romans 12 to first part. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Church, we are not going to be conformed to the world. What does that mean? That means the world wants you put in its mold, into the pattern. So the world right now is in a funk. The world right now is in upheaval. The world right now has a lot of stress, anxiety, frustration, division. We're not going to be conformed to that. We're going to be transformed. We're going to be transformed. But, but, but how, do you, how do you do that? How are we going to be transformed? Well, this is what we're going to do. We're going to remember some very core and foundational truths about who we are in Christ, right? So what are we going to do? We're going to remember that we are children of God. We're going to remember that we have been given everything we need for life and godliness. We're going to remember we are new creations. We are complete, loved, accepted, pleasing. We have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. We have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. We have redemption through the blood of Christ. We have been saved from the penalty of sin, the power of sin. We will be saved from the presence of sin. That's what we're going to do. We're going to get up every day, and we're going to remember who we are in Christ and what we have in Christ. 
That's what we can choose to do. Right? And then we remember we have access to the throne of grace 24 7, 365. That's who we are in Christ. So at a certain point, enough is enough. We have got to wake ourselves up. We have got to to lovingly come alongside brothers and sisters in Christ who are in a funk, who are in a stupor, who have just sort of waved the white flag about circumstances and say, come on, let's go. Because here's the thing. We read the end of the book. We win. We win. Remember, we just sang living hope. What is our living hope? The resurrection of Jesus. Because we believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead as the first fruits, we are going to rise. We win. Remember, we live and we follow Jesus from a place of victory, not fighting for it. We are, we're on the winning side. And I get it. Over the last four months, all the beatdown and all the stuff you can and can't do and all the inconvenience and all this, it takes a toll on your mind. And if you go there, you just start to do this and you're just heavy, and you're just kind of like, oh, that's why I love the verse that Randy's shared this morning, right? At a certain point, we take a deep breath spiritually. We open the Word of God, and with, with just conviction, and as best as we can, we say, we believe it. We believe it, and I'm going to act on this. I'm going to act on this. And, and, and see what that does, right? I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. So we're going to take communion. Worship team, you can come up. And we're going to sing. But here's the thing. Oftentimes when we say we're going to take communion, remember Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. And we understand that is focusing on the price he paid at Calvary and his death on the cross. But this morning I want you to remember that, but I also want you to remember this. When Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me, remember that he rose from the dead. Remember that he is seated at the right hand of the Father. Don't just remember his death this morning. Remember his resurrection. Because that resurrection makes all the difference for us right now, July 19, 2020. We win because Jesus rose from the dead. We already won. We're on the winning side. So let's pray. Worship team will lead us through song. If you're going to take communion, take communion and encourage you to do that. Or just have a time of prayer. Come to God. Maybe it's a, song, a time of lament. Come to God with your feelings. Express them to him. Ask him, pray. And then move to the final step and say, but I cling to my faith. I trust God. I trust you, God, this morning. I've been in a funk. I've I've been in a haze. But Father, right now, in the best way I know how, I choose to trust you. I move this morning from how long to how blessed. So maybe during this song, you just tell God how much you love him, and thank him for all the blessings you have in Christ. Father, thank you. Thank you for Psalm 13, which remind us, uh, reminds us that today, July 19, 2020, we can come to you with our real human stuff, our emotions, our thoughts, wherever we are. We can bring them to you. Father, we can pray. And then, Father, we can profess our trust in you. So during this song, Jesus, we remember that you were crucified, you died, and you rose from the dead. We remember that because you are victorious, we are victorious in Christ. Father, we use this time now to to worship you, to sing about your goodness. Father, we use this time now to wake up to wake up and to choose to no longer have our feelings and have circumstances dictate to us how we will live. We are new creations. We are children of God. We are temples of the Holy Spirit. We win. We win.
My guess is uh, you can tell I'm just a tad bit passionate about uh, what we've spoken about this morning. And I just got to really say that, that that comes from a heart for you, for God's church, God's people. Uh, we'll not minimize the circumstances that we all face and have faced uh, for the last four months. And uh, quite frankly, none of us know how long. But the biblical truth is, it doesn't matter. Because right now, we have today. We have right now. Where we can choose to trust God. We can choose to rejoice in everything we have. Your name is written in the book of life. When was the last time you just rejoiced? Your name is in the book of life. It doesn't matter what happens to you on this planet. You're a citizen of heaven. Remember, we're citizens of heaven. This is sort of like a colony. We're just here to, to honor God, to be ambassadors of reconciliation, to point people to Jesus. This isn't home. So whatever the world throws at us, we've been given everything we need to handle it, and then some. So I want to encourage you. Choose. Choose right now to literally say enough if the world and the devil's been beating you down because remember there is an enemy and the one thing the devil would like you to do is to buy into the lies that you just got to be like everyone else and you just got to deal with all the stuff that's going on just like everyone else on this planet no that's a lie you're a child of God you're a new creation as you sit here watching this live right now, God is 100% pleased with you because you are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And if you're watching and you don't know Jesus personally, my prayer for you is that this morning, just put your faith in Jesus. Just put your faith in Jesus. He loves you. 
He loves you. And everything that we've been speaking about, all these people searching for answers, all these people searching for freedom, what, what, where, 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 it's just in Jesus. It's in a personal relationship with Jesus. Just believe in the best way you know how. He was crucified, he died, he rose from the dead because he loves you. And in doing that, he paid the penalty for your sin and mine and everyone else in the church. Just begin with the simplicity of that. Just begin there. And we're going to close with a couple courses of Living Hope, right? I love that song, Alleluia, Praise the One, right? But we're going to do something different because I've been talking about passivity and being beat down and kind of just getting to this place where the world, we kind of feel like the world says, hey, go sit in that chair in that corner. And don't get out of there until I tell you. And we're saying this morning, no, I'm standing up. In Christ, I am standing up. And here's the deal. We're going to sing this song, and we're singing this declaration. So I'm going to ask you to do something that might uh, make you feel funny and uh, make you a little awkward, especially if you're at home. I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to ask you not to sing this song passively. I'm going to ask you to stand as a personal declaration of your faith, as a personal declaration of who you are in Christ, uh, that you are not going to passively be a victim of what's going on, but I am standing in Christ. And to my friends at Triple C, who, who I know many of you, God bless you, love you guys, I know you may not be able to stand, put your hands up. <laughs> Do something active as we sing this song. And in the activity, what you're saying is, you know what? It's not a head game. It's my whole being. I am standing because enough is enough. Enough is enough. I'm going from how long to how blessed. And I'm standing in Christ because I love him so much. And I know he loves me. Let's sing this song. message of freedom, of hope in Christ, of the reality of us getting to lament, of us getting to pray, of us getting to choose right now to live in the truth, to live in the light, to live in the hope that we have only in Jesus Christ. So again, thank you so much for joining us today, and thank you for bearing with the technological issues that we had, but we really hope and pray that this was a blessing to you. And speaking of prayer, we really want to pray for you. If there is anything that we can pray for you about or pray with you about, would you please contact us, contact anyone in the leadership team, send an email to the admin uh, 
uh, email address at the church, and we want to be praying for you. We have a team of people who pray all the time for so many things that go on in this church. So if we can support you in prayer, please let us know, and we want to come alongside you in that way. So I want to just close with this uh, short passage out of Ephesians 3. That the Father, that according to the riches of his glory, that he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. And why? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And now to him, to Jesus, who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask and all that we think, according to the power that is at work within us, within you, within me, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. We hope you have a blessed week and we look forward to seeing you next week. God bless.